So today we are continuing our um, series through Proverbs, and it's on friendship today. <clears throat> so let me ask you a question. What is a friend? What is a friend to you? Um, we're going to read our passages today. There are several. So let's start with Proverbs eighteen twenty four. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. A dishonest man spreads strife. And a whisperer separates close friends. Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 27. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And finally, Proverbs 27.9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel the word of the Lord so in the epic edition of the epic trilogy Star Wars the Empire Strikes Back there is a scene where Leia, Princess Leia She's princess to you. Um, and Han Solo are in a room in Cloud City. And they're speaking about Lando Calrissian. And Leia asks Han, she says, well, can you trust him? And Han's response is, well, of course I don't trust him. But he is my friend. As a kid, I remember having such trouble with that line in that movie. How can you have a friend if you don't trust them? What is that like? And can you prove to be a friend to them even though you can't trust them? Is that possible? So let me ask you some questions. I really want you to think on these things. Do you understand, do we understand the value of friendship? Do we understand what it is to really be a friend? What a friend is. To be a friend when the chips are down. Do we know how to be friends? And I don't mean friendly or cordial, although some have an issue with that. <laughs> Um, but can we have good friends that maybe are younger than us, maybe older than us, maybe of a different people group, 
Can we do that? Are we doing that? Are we surrounding ourselves with just yes men that never tell us anything we don't want to hear? Do we understand the cost of friendship? Time, generosity, service, love, work, tears, pain, intentionality, honesty, investment, just to name a few. Just to name a few. Now, there are certainly levels of friendship, but in the church, we who are believers have a friend like no other. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that friendship should inform how we are friends to each other. And if it doesn't, we got problems. So, how does the subject of friends tie into our series? Uh, the best life God has for uh, the best life now God has for us. I think I butchered that pretty good. Um, <laughs> we're trying to raise money for a plane. I'm just joking. Um, I'm kidding. The implication is the best life now, assuming you're listening to the Proverbs. So how does that tie in? Well, let me ask you something. So if you're around and in the Crossing Church or TCC, um, what do you hear a lot? You hear a lot about discipleship, making disciples, right? Well, let me ask you a question. So when you hear us using Soma language... When you hear guys talk about gospel fluency and they're talking about their missional community life, does any of that seem like a mentor-padawan relationship? Or does it seem like friends? Are we good at making friends? Because if we're not good at making disciples, there may be an issue with how we are making friends and are being friends. Because it, it's, people aren't projects. They're, they're image bearers of God. We're not Amway salesmen. We, we should love people. And so this, this relationship of discipleship is not a mentor. It can be. It can be. But for the most part, our relationship and discipleship should be life on life, right? So you have a, a believer who befriends a non-believer. You start doing life together. And and you love them. And you want to see them have the best friend in the universe. And so you gospel them. Right? But if we're not good at making friends, right? If we just mow our yards and then go inside. Like, when's the last time you saw a newscast and the guy goes on a three-state killing spree and the neighbors are like, I don't understand it. Like, the guy was so funny. He was just a great guy. He, you know, he'd throw parties for everybody in the neighborhood. Now, that may happen, but what, what do they mostly say? Well, he was quiet. We really didn't hear him say much. He mowed his yard, <laughs> and then he just, something just snapped. We don't know. But, you know. So we need people. We need community. We're built for that. 
C.S. Lewis, um, in The Four Loves, you're going to hear a lot of C.S. Lewis today. I'm sorry I didn't bring a pipe to do my invitation. Um, but C.S. Lewis says, friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. Friendship is one of those things that gives value to survival. Look, who wants it said of them? They're a great fair-weather friend. <laughs> really? They're a great networker. They really know how to network with people. I don't want that said of me. Or would you rather have it said, man, look, when things were bad, they didn't leave me. When I wanted to run, they pursued me. When I, were, when I believed lies about myself, they gospeled me. And they told me the truth about who I am in Christ and what my gifts are and how much they love me. They brought me back from the brink. And in thinking on that, do we know how to let someone be our friend? I mean, let them in. Into our lives to a point where we don't tell them, no, man, I got, I got it. I don't need any help. You see what I'm doing here? What am I doing? I'm keeping you at arm's reach. But I'm certainly not letting you in. Because if I let you in, you might see how jacked up I really am. You might see that I don't really have it all figured out. You might see how dark it really is in here. If we do that, we are rejecting the means of grace from God through his people. Just straight up. Instead, we should be about Galatians 6. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then, his, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. That's not ideal. What is the law of Christ? Anybody know? What's the law of Christ? We'll put you on the spot. Love one another. Disciples would, would bring in the apostle John in his 80s or something. And he would struggle to get up on one arm. And tradition tells us that barely above a whisper, he would look at the church and he would say, love one another. Love one another. You see, Lewis is on to something here. You can certainly live... <laughs> You can certainly survive on a deserted island. But will you thrive? You'll survive, but will you thrive? You're all alone. You got all the pineapples you can eat. You got, you know, uh, we'll give you a fresh water stream. You're really good at fishing. 
There's kiwis, there's bananas, coconuts. You got your own volleyball. <laughs> but will you thrive? I'll tell you what, in six months, I would be start raving mad. Maybe not even that long. We need friends. We need people. We have to be careful because in our culture, we... Um, have this enormous fascination uh, with social media. And it seems that at times we have virtual friends, right? Uh, we can promote a life telling the world we're something we're really not. And we just can kind of keep people, you know, they can just virtually know us, not really know us. How many times have you gone to a Starbucks and you've seen someone sitting there with headphones on, looking down, ignoring everyone on the planet in a public place? I find that very curious because even when we're alone, even when we're lonely, there's something in us that drives us to be around people. What is that? Social media is not inherently bad, okay? But too much is, and just really quickly, a study uh, from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine has shown that too much social media leads to depression, anxiety, and wait for it, a handicapping in making friends. Real friends. Not just friends that you have fun with unless something better comes along and then <laughs> you got to go. But but deep, lasting friendships. The kind of friendships you can really count on. There's no app for that, right? <laughs> it takes realizing, like Lewis, that life is just better if we have friends that will bear our burdens and trust us with theirs. We're not in this alone. So why do we act like we are? Isn't that silly? You get some guys in a room that are close enough to start sharing their fears, and it is amazing how we all, they're almost identical. There may be some flavors differently, right? But it's absolutely amazing to me when guys open up to each other. We all, have, we all have the same fears, but we act like we don't. We act like we have it all. We got it all together, bro. I'm good. I will never forget as a kid, I'm sure I was being a jerk to one of my friends or something. I don't know. I just remember this part. My brother asked me, he said, do you, do you want friends? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, I was like, Jenny or Olivia's age. I was like, you know, in the 10 to 13 age range, okay? And I said, yeah, I want friends. Like, who doesn't want friends, right? And Jeff looked at me and he said, well, you have to be one. I never thought of that. So in other words, your friends are not here to fulfill your selfish ambition. There should be camaraderie. Mutual respect and love. Friends don't use each other. They love each other. They serve each other. 
Okay, that was my introduction. I'm going to walk through these uh, Proverbs as quick as I can. So uh, Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, this was said in a culture that was far more family-centric than we ever have dreamed of. I mean, family was everything, okay, in this culture. And I think probably most of you know that. But let's face it, families are stuck together, and they might not be that fond of you. (laughs) And you may not be that fond of them, right? (laughs) But a friend chooses to stick with you and love you. See, our culture now, we're, we're far more worried about romantic love than the friendship love. I mean, think about how many, how many songs that you know about romantic love versus friendship love. And don't start singing Friends or Friends Forever to me. The worship team is going to do that later. Right? It's like it's not even funny. It's not even funny the disparity of friendship songs versus romantic in our culture. It's it's not even funny. But this verse seems to caution us from having a lot of friends that are only at the surface level. We need friends to go deep with us, love us, pursue us, gospel us, help us. We'll be there when everything has gone wrong. And then let us return the favor to them. See, we get to do it to them. And they get to do it for us. Surface level and shallow networking friends are gone. The second times get tough. You won't or may not have many, many close, close friends. But ultimately, this verse points to our ultimate friend. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So if we live our lives in a social media life, social media world, and we never open up to someone, we never connect, we're with people, but we're always on our phones, constantly having to say, well, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Doing anything we can to keep people at arm's reach. Because that's what that is. You realize that. You're not just addicted to your phone. You're doing everything. I'm I'm keeping Bruce right here. I don't want to get to know Bruce. I'm just joking. But you see what I'm saying? If If we continue to do that, or if we're doing that, if we start doing that, we will come, the Bible says we will come to ruin because we don't have any real friends. And look, it's not easy. I'm not, for, I'm not saying this is, that having friends, maintaining friends, it's not easy. Things change. People move. You know, uh, you get married. You start having children. Uh, your job seems to suck the very life out of your soul. Um, you just want to go home and just stare at the wall or something. I, you know, I, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I live in the corporate world. I have a wife and five kids. I get it. 
But having friends is so worth it. It's so worth it. Look, I know a girl, lady, now. She was a girl then. Not really a girl, but a young maiden. Um, <laughs> she would kill me if she heard it. Um, but they, the, this couple had their first child, and this child had autism. And this destroyed her. She was very inconsistent in coming to worship. She withdrew, was very angry. But she had a friend. And this friend would go by our house. She didn't really feel like hanging out. Okay. So this friend would call her every day, every single day. And the girl that just had the baby, she would say, look, I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't be your friend, okay? So you just need to give up on me, and you just need to go find another friend. Because I, I cannot be your friend. And the response came back, okay, that's fine. I'll call you tomorrow. I love you. Every day. Every day day. Later on, she said that she looked forward to those calls, even though she told her the same thing every day, because she knew that someone was thinking about her, was praying for her was loving her, was dying inside with her. And it kept her sane. And she did not come to ruin. She is thriving. And they're very close to this day. Friendships will cost you something. But some do not count the cost. Like the ones in our next verse, Proverbs 16. A dishonest man spreads strife. And a whisperer separates close friends. James tells us that our tongues can set everything on fire. How many of you believe that? Can I get an amen? <laughs> you see, when we lie to each other, it reveals that we're more concerned about ourselves than we are about our friend. We want to be worshipped, basically. I don't want you to think bad of me. When Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves and to do unto others as you'd have done to you. Lying and gossiping about someone is really a form of murder and hatred. Do you realize that? But it ain't friendship. We need to kill a whisper when it starts. When I counsel young men, when they're about to get married, one of the things I tell them is look, the, the enemy, he's going to whisper things to you in your ear about your wife. Okay? Now, never under any circumstance, unless you're an absolute moron, should you say it out loud to your wife. I mean, 
How many older guys in the room can, go, can give me an amen on that one, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to be pretty thick-headed. But look, certainly you don't want to injure your wife, but look, don't even say it. In, don't even go in your closet where you think no one can hear you and say it out loud there because it will take on flesh and you will believe that lie and it will cause division between you and your wife. It will become true. And ladies, that kind of goes for you too. We have to remain watchful to, remain, to, to maintain our relationships and our, and our friendships. So the next one. The next one is an interesting dichotomy. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Proverbs 17, 9. A friend that forgives realizes they're a sinner just like you are, and they need forgiveness just like you do, right? They, they wish to have love in their life, not drama and strife. Kind of a rhyme there, Kendrick. Um, they'll give you the benefit of the doubt, right? If you say something that's a little off, they're not going to pounce on you because, well, I mean... That's my buddy. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say something to hurt my feet, you know. But see, the, the other, well, he's a little different. The guy that repeats it, he, you know, he keeps on offending you. Why does he do that? Because he's so wrapped up in self. He doesn't care that he's injured you. Because what really matters to him is self, not you. You're just a tool to be used. But he's the ultimate. Because if, if, the, if the opposite were true, then he would do what Philippians 2 says, looking to the interest of others. And what's interesting about Philippians 2 is it doesn't tell, you, tell us that looking out for your own interest is bad. Actually, he says, think of others better than yourself and lay down selfish ambition and have the same mind of Christ who humbled himself to die on a cross. And then, after Christ humbled himself, then he received glory. See, many times we grab at glory, self-glory, at the expense of our friends. And Paul tells us that's backward. That's backwards. It robs God of glory and kills friendships. But you've seen people like this, right? I mean, you've seen people like that? They're controlling. They only have friends with people that are beneath their station, right? So they can manipulate them and use them. Those are the worst kinds of friends. But there's good news. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend, a true friend, right, loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You see, in your early years, you're shaped by your family, and as you get older and you start moving out, it, it, you're, you're far more shaped by your friends. And that's a necessary thing, so you can actually function in society. But um, it's, it's really important that we pick our friends wisely. And if you're attacked, 
I mean, this Proverbs is right. If you're attacked, your family, you, they may not like you very much, but if someone attacks you, your family's going to come around you and attack them with the fire of, th- of a thousand suns. I mean, they're going to be, it's going to be on like Donkey Kong, man. They're, they're going to be there. You may have had a fight with your cousin three years ago, but someone jumped, and he's there. Isn't that true? I've, I've seen it happen. But here's what's interesting. More than likely, your friends will surround you too because they love. They, love, they choose to love you. C.S. Lewis again from the four love says friendship is born in that moment when one person says to another what you too i thought i was the only one he goes on to say in each of my friends there is something that only some other friend can truly bring out by myself i am not large enough to call the whole man into activity I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Hence, true friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third and three by a fourth. If only the newcomer is qualified to become a real friend, then they can say, as the blessed souls say in Dante, here comes the one who will augment our loves. For this love... To divide is not to take away. Isn't that beautiful? So our friendships are designed by the Holy Trinity of God himself. Right? So the Holy Trinity is perfect community. Right? And so that's what we are modeled after. We are built for community. We reflect his character in that. Now, we're sinful He's not. We are. And so our friendships should, should be in a way that they can, we can help each other, spur one, and on, one another on to love and good works, as, as the Scripture says. It doesn't, it doesn't diminish God's love when we, when we do this, when we have these types of relationships. It actually increases it. And, and as he talked about, shining light. It shines God's light out into the world when we, when, we are, when we have these kind of relationships. We can celebrate our wins. I can celebrate your wins. I can celebrate your talents. I can celebrate your gifts. I don't, I don't have to think, gosh, I wish I could preach like Kendrick. Punk. You know, I'm like, no, man, I, 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 man, I love it. When I, I love to hear my brother. I love to hear Jared T. I love to hear John's saying, I love to hear, you know what I'm saying? Like, we can celebrate in those because they're our brothers, they're our sisters. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So check this out. If we walk in gospel truth, not hiding behind our fig leaves, we will have fellowship and we will be sanctified. Why? Because you're designed to gospel each other. You're designed to walk in the truth and the light of the gospel and live out of that with each other. Not hide behind stuff. Not, I don't want to be known. No. No. You're as jacked up as I am. What, am I going to judge you? (laughs) Come on. 
Somebody might know some stories about me. You know, I was like, see, Adam chose sin that broke the relationship with God and also Eve. But Jesus, he comes and he keeps perfect fellowship with the Father to bring us back into fellowship. Now, there are warnings in these Proverbs of the type of people we probably, we probably should think twice. If they were on an app, we should swipe the other way, whatever the way that is, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we should move on. Um, Proverbs 22, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. This guy sounds like a real peach. Um, I mean, basically, God is saying, you're like a bear trap. You grab people, you injure them, and you prevent them to go where they need to go, which is probably away from you. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a horrific thing to be said about someone. Have you ever had a friend like that, 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 um, that holds grudges, that gets mad easy? You ever had a friend like that? See, that type of person, they're not living out of the light of the gospel. And basically what they're doing is they're telling the world, you revolve around me. I think there are many snares that we can get ensnared in in this, in this uh, verse. But one of them could be proving you're not a true believer. That would be the main one. See, God is slow to anger, abounding in love. He's slow to wrath. But this guy's not. Because he's convinced that it all is about me. And when things don't go my way, look out. God is slow to wrath. We should reflect that character, characteristic. And when we don't, we're telling the world around us, again, the universe revolves around me and not God. We need better friends than that for sure. And we need to be better friends than that. We need to be the faithful friend. Like in our, in our next verse here, uh, Proverbs uh, 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. When Paul publicly rebuked Peter uh, in Acts, when Peter was, you know, he was, this is after the vision, right, where all foods are declared lawful. They're, they're going to the Gentiles. Uh, Peter is now free to eat pork and shellfish and stuff like that. So he's hanging out with the, with the Gentile brothers, man. He's wrapping bacon around shrimp and just, oh, you know. And all of a sudden, some Jews show up who think the law still applies. And all of a sudden, Peter's like, oh, yeah, man, let me go, let me go, let me go eat some uh, kosher uh, chicken or some uh, goat. And Paul calls him out. 
He calls him out publicly. So let me ask you a question. Do you think that Paul loved sound doctrine or did he love Peter more? See, I think, I think that Paul, I think that Paul loved both. He also loved the people that Peter was hurting. I, I, don't, I don't recommend that kind of public rebuke very often, so just, uh, <laughs> just keep that in the Rolodex. Uh, but when you have those kind of implications, it was necessary. I think most of the time we should be like Ephesians 4, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together, every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up, not tears it down. It builds it up. I don't care for the phrase, sometimes we got to get in each other's face. Just putting that out there. Um, Jesus was very harsh on the Pharisees, but did the Pharisees love Jesus or did they murder Jesus? They murdered Jesus. They were leading the people astray. Jesus was tender with, those, with his disciples, the people that followed him. Martin Luther said, with a wolf, you cannot be too severe. With a weak sheep, you cannot be too gentle. And I think we should, we should heed that. Speaking the truth in love, not with a hatchet. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Have you ever been betrayed by a close friend? Do you kind of still feel that pain? It can cut so incredibly deep. It'll form a callus on your heart. And you will swear no one will ever get that close to you again. You will all be right here. Jesus was even cursed by Peter. I mean cursed by Peter. <laughs> he denied Jesus and cursed him. And yet he loved Peter so much... He restored the brokenness between them. Does anybody read the restoration of Peter? And do you hear Jesus' voice like, Hey man, do you love me? Really? Hey Peter, do you love me? Peter, come on bro. Do you love me, really? Do you read it like that? Or do you hear the voice of our Lord saying, Peter, Amen. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Peter was restored, and he was a different man after that for the most part. Judas, at the Last Supper, the one who betrayed Jesus, do you know that he was sitting at the table at the place of a special best friend. That's where Judas was. And he walked out of the room 
and he betrayed Jesus, and then he kissed him. But Judas didn't repent. He had remorse. He felt bad about it. But he was not restored like Peter was. And we must believe that Christ's forgiveness is real. Or we'll never move forward. Christ absorbed all the wrath for all your sin. All of it. All of it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Have you ever had a friend speak, speak plainly to you and warn you about something? And they were right and you actually listened? Aren't you glad they had the guts to come to you and, you know, and talk to you about it? Sometimes, you know, when someone gospels you, there's, there's, there's pain for a second. But the grace is so sweet when they love us like that. It's so good. Which brings us to our last proverb. Oil and perfume make glad the heart. And sweetness and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Proverbs 27, 9. C.S. Lewis, one more time, just part of it. In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. A true friend will show you who you really are. And he'll also show you who he really is. And like a prism, God's light will shine into them and into you and out of you. And I mean, have you ever seen prisms when light hits them? It's, just, it's this beautiful array of colors and lights. And that's what it is. I'm going to give you just a couple of examples of, of, of people being oil and perfume in my life. I was helping lead um, at a church, and the guy that was the leader was a little younger than me. Extremely talented. His name is Josh Graman. And sadly, like so many, they were moving to Texas. And there was some... Like, yeah, it's about you. Um, <laughs> so there was some, some, some talk about who's going to lead. Are we going to get somebody from our sister church in Ruston and all this stuff? And I was a little apprehensive. I, I, I wanted to lead, but I wasn't sure. Josh is so incredibly talented. Uh, writer, singer, player, um, and I'll never forget when the pastor said, so do you think Scott should pursue this? And Josh looked at Bo and he said, absolutely, he should pursue this. And I think he should pursue it more. And that was life-changing to me because, again, extremely talented musically. And when he said that, that, that changed directions for me. So, so be the oil and perfume to your friends. Build them up. Don't tear them down. I have another friend, Todd Thomas, who will speak here soon. He's a missionary to, to uh, Muslims in Germany. So if you think you have a hard job, um, I bet he could win that one. Um, but we have, a, we, we have a relationship where... We've known each other since, uh, I don't know, 
1990, somewhere in there. We have a relationship where we can speak frankly to each other. And I can speak into his life, he can speak into mine. And if someone else spoke to me the way Todd can speak to me, it would injure me. No one else, not very many, have that level of trust. And that level of trust does not happen in two weeks. It, it takes years. Some of you in, your, in the room, I know you have these friends that you've walked through terrible, terrible things together. Awful hurts together. You've had to lean on each other. And that's when that level of respect, love, trust. Todd can, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to mince words with me. And I don't have to mince words with him. Why? Because I know he loves me like a brother. I know that he has my best interests at heart. He's not going to use me. He's not going to take advantage of me. He only loves me. And the same for him. When we think about David and Jonathan, right? King David in the Bible, Jonathan was Saul's son. And the Bible says that they loved each other as their own souls. They had this such a tight friendship. David was a friend of Saul, even though Saul tried to kill him, murder him. He tried to pin him to a wall with a spear. That sounds like fun. Um, and David, like... David never knew. David went to Jonathan. He's like, hey, man, can you help me out? Like, I don't know what I've done to your dad. Like, I love your dad. I, I, don't, I don't get what's going on. Have you ever had that happen to you? Like, you, you have no idea why now this friend hates your guts. And you, you, you're looking around going, I, I, don't, I don't understand. What did I do? David wept over Saul when he died. He wept over Jonathan. And when he and Jonathan, uh, there's, a, there's a chapter in uh, 2 Samuel where, uh, 1 Samuel, um, where David is hiding out from, from Saul. And Jonathan comes to him. He's like, man, you got, you got to get out of here. Dad's going to kill you. He's going to do everything he can to find you. And the scripture talks about them weeping with each other, holding each other, Kissing each other. In our culture, we don't understand that. We think it's a homosexual relationship. It was not. But these guys loved each other so much. They didn't know if they were going to see each other again. These guys looked out for one another. They had each other's back in battle. Like, we probably don't know the left. Understand, we, we have levels, but these guys, they were tight. And now it looks like we don't know if we're going to see each other again. But we need those types of relationships. We do. And that type of relationship even spilled over into the relationship uh, Jonathan's son. So after Jonathan's dead, David looks around and he's like, hey, is there somebody from, from the family I can love? And old crippled Mephibosheth, Jonathan's brother, the son, excuse me. Some of you are singing carbon ribs. You're welcome. David brings Mephibosheth in. 
And he says, hey, man, because I loved your dad, because we loved each other so much, I'm going to restore all your land to you. Because what happened most of the time when the king took over, if there was family left? You're gone. You're gone, man. Hey, just business, but you've got to go. Not with David. He brings Mephibosheth in. He says, I'm giving you all your land back. I'm going to provide for you, and you're going to eat at my table. What? And, and even after that display of love, Mephibosheth turns on David later on, proving not to be a good friend. David, even though he was a great friend, he wasn't so great a friend to Uriah. He took his wife and then killed him. Probably doesn't rank as the highest of friends. You see, but there's only, there's only one. There's only one true friend. One. And you need him. Otherwise, you will never know, we will never know, how to be a good friend. Jesus said in John 15, Greater love has no one than this, and someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Matthew 20. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to serve but to be served, not to be served but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus stripped down to his undergarment, grabbed a, a basin and a towel, and washed 24 nasty, disgusting feet. This is the same Jesus that will one day, with eyes glowing, his robe dipped in blood, throw death and Hades into the lake of fire. That sounds a little scary, but that's the same Jesus. We will never know how to love and serve one another. We will never know how to be kind to each other or cancel plans we've made at the last minute because something better came up. We will never know how to hold our tongue about someone or shut down a whisper. We will never know how to listen or talk to a friend because we have taken for granted the grace given us. We will never give the benefit of the doubt because at all costs we have to protect ourselves. We will have a difficult time making friends because we have forgotten how the triune God of the universe has pursued us us. We will not let love cover a multitude of sins because relationships serve us and not the other way around. First Peter says, above all, keep loving each other earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each have received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God supplies. In order that in everything 
God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. You see, Peter was writing that to the church. And when we implement that in our friendships, ultimately we are living out of the gospel, both in ourselves and to others. And we bring Christ glory upon glory upon glory. But the love of friend opens yourself up. You're vulnerable and you could be betrayed. I'm just being honest with you. C.S. Lewis, this is one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Jesus beaten beyond recognition, pierced with a crown of thorns, pierced in his hands and his feet, his arms open wide to ensure that we would be at a banquet, a great feast. Where our dearest friend, he says, no, 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 man. I got, I got the food. It's going to be awesome. This is the best food. No, 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 no. I've got the best wine. I'm, I'm bringing that. You just come. You just come. And we will celebrate. And we will never be parted again. There will be no division among us at all. What an incredible friend. If you don't know this Jesus, will you have him today? If you don't know this Savior servant, willing to wash your feet, will you turn to him in repentance and faith? All you do is you just confess your sins, believe that God raised him from the dead. It's not complicated. And then you will have this amazing friend who says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. You are ever before me. And those engraves are the nails in his palms. He will go to the Father for you What a wonderful friend. The same friend that will one day, with one word, fell all the armies of darkness. You can have that friend. And even if it seems that he's disappointed you, he's probably just saved you from yourself. More than likely. (laughs) So will you have him? Christian brother and sister. Have you thought about your relationships in this way? That Jesus is your ultimate friend? Is there someone that you need to get right with? Will you humble yourself and go to them?
Or will the fig leaf get bigger? Will the gap get wider? Our church is not foolproof. And a lack of love and gospel forgiveness will at best hinder us and keep us stagnant. Or worse, it will destroy us. Will you merely survive to get through this life? Or through Jesus, will you thrive? Let's pray. Father, we are so incredibly grateful that while we were enemies of yours, you gave your life to make us your friend. You poured out your blood on a cross. Mary couldn't even recognize who you were anymore. And all, all of it was to restore the relationship. All of it was to bring your Father glory and to bring us into that glory, into that fellowship. Father, let us not think lightly of friendship. Let us not think that we have it all figured out, that we don't need anyone. Would you, would you give us tender hearts today? Would you allow us to turn to you? Would you allow us to have wonderful friends? In your beautiful name we pray. Amen.